Ah, uh, um, so how much is that? Welcome to the podcast editor's mastermind, a podcast dedicated to the business side of podcast editing. Uh, today we have a really fun show. It's going over kind of the dream, right? So it's going full-time as a podcast editor, and we have an amazing guest. Uh, before we get into that, I'm Daniel Abendroth. You can find me at rothmedia.audio. And below me, we have... We have Brian Ensminger, who's at toptieraudio.com, and apparently so happy to talk, I'm interrupting as Daniel's introducing me, so I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> just It feels like I'm, I'm just ready to go today, Daniel. I don't, I'm going to shut up now. You're, it's your turn. Brian Ensminger, <laughs> do you know, I'm sure I've spoken with you on the in some sort of Facebook editors group. You probably I'm sure have, yeah. I have. Now I'm hearing your last name. I'm like, oh, we've connected. And like, we, you know, when you see someone's picture and then you see them. <laughs> yeah, a little tiny me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, sorry. And hello, I'm Stevie Manns. There you are. <laughs> Brand new podcast editor to the to the whole industry. So thank you very much for having me on. Stevie started off in radio as a presenter more than a decade ago, hosting a weekend breakfast show. They are also a musician and has spent years in the studio learning under some of the industry's top producers. As a podcast producer and coach, Stevie works with entrepreneurs and small businesses, helping them create content that inspires and empowers. Stevie says, nothing makes me happier than helping someone achieve their goals and help bring their message to the masses. Stevie, thank you so much for joining us tonight. A pleasure. And thank you for reading my bio. It sounds great. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry I'm just, for screwing I'm it up so teasing. many times. For no, no, getting no, it no, up. no, no. I love it. I love it. Do you know, it's just like as a musician, like you write your bio for other people and and I'm sure it, it translates into other industries. It's always really funny hearing it back, but it's it sounded <laughs> fun. Thanks. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about like where you come from and how you got to the point. So I guess the big news is that you are now a full-time podcast editor. So as of more or less tomorrow, yes. So um, I had have slash had a day job. So I have worked in the corporate field for 14 years, in fact, um, in the finance industry. Loathed it. Absolutely hated it. Um, one of those things, it was just that thing of I graduated in 2007, got a job in banking in, or in 2007. The credit crisis happened and I kind of got stuck. And at that point, I hadn't really figured out what I wanted to do. And it was just a case of, well, the economy's. Can I swear on this podcast? Uh, probably not. Probably not. Yeah. The economy is PG not 13. doing well. <laughs> um, and so I was like, okay, I should probably, you know, I'm good at math. I can do it. Let's just stick with it. And it just never really lit my fire. And it, it was funny because last year, obviously during the pandemic, how many people, can I get an amen, had a come to Jesus moment? And I had one of those moments. I was reading, and forgive me, you, you, you gentlemen may not have read this book. I'm not going to say that you haven't, and I'm not going to make any assumptions. But I was reading Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed. And in the book, she had a moment where she was speaking with a friend and she asked her friend, what is the most honest, truest version that you can imagine of your life? And I just put the book down and I was like, well, it's not this. And at that point, gave myself permission to go, well, if I had a blank piece of paper and I wanted to write, you know, to design my life and my career, what would it look like? And that was the first time I'd really given myself permission to do that. And at that point, um, I, you know, had a, you know, a couple of my own podcasts. I was helping some friends with theirs. 
And I thought, this is something that I'm really interested in. I've been doing my own for a couple of years. I've been in audio. Um, my my dad's actually in radio. He's 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 been radio for like 40 years or something daft like that. So I'd, I'd always sort of grown up with it in the background. And, and for me, podcasting is the new radio. And I thought, yeah, I love this. Why am I not doing this? What am I so scared of? How, and you know, if I were to design a career in it, what would it look like? And how would I get there? And that's when I really started thinking about what do I need to do in order to make this happen? And tomorrow, you know, it, 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 it isn't exactly the way I would have wanted to make it happen in the sense of, you know, I'm, I'm able to quit my corporate job. I'm kind of getting a payout from this job, um, which is great. But I'm now be, you know, and it's a slightly different situation where, you know, hopefully a number of people will be able to kind of build up a portfolio of clients where they're able to support themselves and get, get to that position. I'm in a slightly different situation. I'm very fortunate to be able to sort of quit my day job and have a bit of a buffer and be able to do that. But that's kind of how it's happened for me. And I'm really grateful and, and really happy that, you know, post, well, I say post pandemic, we are not post pandemic, but <laughs> post the worst of the pandemic, I'm, you know, now able to, to look at a different life and career for myself. So, Roughly a year since you read the book, year, year and a half. Is that right? I believe it was May last year. Yeah. Okay. And I so, think in June I secured my first client. That's crazy. So, I mean, from essentially zero to like ready to make the transition right now in right about a year, that's in, incredible. What did you, like, how did you start laying that groundwork and building that framework to, to build your path to this? I think the first place I started, I mean, I, you could say that I, in terms of getting my first client, that was the first step, but it isn't. I think the first step is having the interest, developing your skill set. And I was doing that, or I had been doing that with my own podcasts. Um, and I have, you know, my, my primary podcast is a, is a music interview show. I'm a musician and that's sort of what I started doing. And when I was working in radio, one of the ideas that I had, you know, as a musician and a radio presenter was I want to interview local musicians. I want to do a quick 10 minute segment, ask them about a song of theirs and put it out on the, on the radio and promote local, local music and local musicians. I was actually living in, um, on, on a small Island called Jersey, Jersey OG, as I call it, cause it's the original in the channel islands in the UK or sorry, in great Britain, it's not actually part of the UK. And, um, I really wanted to promote the local music scene because it, it's just a really small, you know, it's a small Island and it had a, had that sort of small town feel to it. And, what I did was I had to sell this idea. The only way that I was able to get this onto radio was to sell this as a segment and give it to the sales team and have someone sponsor it. So that was sort of my first idea of this is sort of, it was sort of a mini show and I had to, you know, sell it to the, the radio station. I had to sell it to the sales guys and the sales guys had to, to get a sponsor for it and come, you know, oh gosh, nearly 10 years later, I thought, I don't, need a radio station for me to be able to do this. So I thought yeah. I can just create my own podcast and do the show, like the segment as an entire show. And so that's how my podcast developed. And I was a musician in New York City. And for me, it was, it was a couple fold really, because I was a new musician on the music scene and it's really difficult New York works very differently to almost any other city or certainly the way, the way that it had for me in the UK, where you tend to get in touch with a venue, a touring artist comes around and you say, you know, that, that artist is sort of within my genre. Can I get on the bill for that? 
In New York, because it's the big city, if a major artist comes to New York, they tend to bring somebody who's on their label, but lower down the, you know, the pecking order with them. So your chances to get in front of an audience are actually much slimmer. And you've got to, if you get a, a show at a venue, you've actually got to bring an audience already. And so it was kind of chicken and egg, because if you can't get in front of an audience, how do you bring an audience? And so what I started doing was I created um, an artist circle where I had like a, a Nashville style round where you had like three artists on stage together and you would kind of cross pollinate audiences and hopefully you would, you know, be able to, to build off that. And as a, we would do this maybe every other month. And so between shows, I said, well, in order to help us create this event series that we're doing, let's create a podcast where we interview the musicians that are going to be in the show. And that way, if people don't know who the artists are, they get to listen to them ahead of like, you know, putting out 15 bucks to come to a show. And then we build up the mailing list and so on. So it started off as, you know, a podcast in addition to a music event series. And then with the pandemic, obviously the podcast took over because there was no event series that we could right. do. Um, and then it became really interesting for me of like, okay, how can I support my community versus, you know, it being something to support our series. So it had, you know, some sort of a, you know, an interesting um, birth, if birthplace, if you like. And then I started doing, you know, another podcast with a friend that was sort of an after show podcast. It's entirely just a, a you know, pleasure podcast for me which had, you know, it's got a niche market, Star Trek. Um, but it's, it's just pure fun. And I think, you know, I was starting to do this and I thought, oh, you know, if I want to, if I want to go into this, how else can I, can I do this? And I started to help friends who had podcasts and I would help them edit. <clears throat> and then when I was thinking about getting a client, um, there was somebody that I reached out to and she was an environmental activist and she's from the UK. And I remember that she had done, um, an event coming to the US and she'd like paddleboarded down the Hudson and was raising awareness about plastic pollution years ago. And I reached out to her and I was like, do you have a podcast? And it wasn't, it genuinely wasn't a pitch, but I was like, I would listen to that podcast if you had one. And she goes, well, it's funny you say that. She said, I am launching one with this company, but they aren't going to manage it post the launch. Mm. And so I just happened to reach out to her at the right time. And we started working together after that. And then thereafter, I think there was, there was somebody else that I was working with on another project and they were like, oh, I need somebody to do a podcast. Would, you know, are you interested in that? And we could trade. And that's how I, I sort of got my second client. So that's kind of how it started. And, you know, it's, it's probably not from the inception of last year, June, it was probably two years prior to that, where I really took an interest in, you know, I, ha I had the, the joy and the desire to be a podcaster, first of all. And I think you have to have that before you even begin and you don't necessarily have to have that if you're editing. But for me, if I'm going to listen to something, I need to know what's good and how it sounds and what's engaging. And for me, that was by doing it. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree. Um, I definitely fell in love with podcasting before I fell in love with editing. And I think that some of that experience, um, trying to, like me, trying to figure out how can I make my show not suck, <laughs> or right like how can i make this not drag on for like all of that stuff then becomes those things that i can bring to a client who's saying hey it feels like my show's dragging what can i do and i said well have you thought about this right and so mm -hmm. it's really cool that you cut your teeth on that and ashley says that uh she loves this i would agree uh, the the story of the first client is like the the thing that a lot <laughs> of people at 
a lot of people ask, like, how do I find my first client? How, like, all of that, like, I don't have a portfolio. How do I edit for somebody so I can get, like, all of that? I love how you shared that from your, your venue experience, but then also getting the first client. Mm-hmm. And then that second client, did, after that, did you have to start going out and getting clients? Or, like, what what did that look like? Is it? Yeah, I'm go ahead. still in that period. Okay. I'm still in that kind of looking. And to be honest, it's it's difficult because I have m- my corporate job is 60 hours a week. And then I edit my own pod, my own two podcasts plus two client podcasts on top of that. So I really don't at the moment have time to take on this third, like a third, fourth, whatever. So I kind I just need to get rid of this corporate job to enable me to kind of do that. And yeah, that quite honestly, I need I need help and, and lessons in how to to search for clients. And I'm like, do I really want to DM people or do I want to, you know, ha- how do I want to do that? Do I want to kind of reach out to editors who have, you know, too much stuff and they need to outsource? You know, do I want to to be doing that? Like I'm still figuring out all of all of the rest of it. So I I do not I will fully admit this. I don't have it all fully baked yet and I'm still <laughs> figuring out, hey, do I do I want to create my own editing business? Do I want to work for a production company? I'm still exploring all of this stuff. And I'm like, I'm lucky enough that I have the space and, and financial stability to be able to do that for a few months. Yeah, yeah. One thing that I do want to make note of, like, I feel like for me, so I did have like the client base to support me financially before I went full time. Um, but I think it is good to know that that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. So you are fortunate in your job. Do we, I can't remember if we talked about this before we started recording or not. <laughs> the Which background, part? Your, the, the background how, with my job? Your job and... Um, how I'm able to leave my job. Um, yeah. I'm not entirely sure that I can talk about that. Okay, entirely. well, I guess my point is like, um, your job situation, situation allows you to go full-time as a podcast editor before you have the clients to um, like a fully capacity business i guess mm-hmm. i took the option of being made redundant i can say that uh and that that sort of redundancy package is allowing me to to have a bit of financial security yeah so you don't have to have like um a whole bunch of clients before so you can be more creative in how you like make the transition from full-time to or i guess from part-time to full-time yeah um I also, you know, I'm also married. My, me and my wife were able to kind of manage this and like she's she's helping me to, to have this sort of freedom for a little while to be able to do this. Um, so I, I fully appreciate that this is not the easiest thing for most people. And I have been in that situation where I was like, I was living in New York City. I couldn't, you know, New York City, New York City is expensive. Um, so I, hear- I could, I couldn't do that. And I was also on a, you know, I was also on a visa and if I didn't have my visa for my corporate job, then I couldn't stay in this country. So it's all, it, for me, it was definitely just one, one thing was dependent on another and it, it wouldn't have been possible for me in almost any other way. So I, I do fully appreciate I'm a, I'm in mm-hmm. a really um, privileged position to be able to do this. Yeah, I know for me, because like one thing that's difficult is there's only so much editing work you can take on when you have a full-time job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I was um, exhausted. Yeah. Because you work, you know, like in your case, 60 hours a week, and then trying to fit in those few hours you have in the evenings on the weekends um, to build a job that makes enough to mm-hmm. cover your expenses. It's really difficult. And I was fortunate that I had one very, very profitable client that was able to um, kind of get me over that hump. So I could quit my job and then 
work on building up my portfolio. Mm-hmm. Brian, were you about s- to say something? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, go, go ahead, Steve. You, I think you're going to say something. No, no, I was just going to ask, you know, and how, what was the time period for you? For me? Yeah. Just from kind of, you know, dis- starting out and then becoming full-time. So I started my own podcast in 2015. And then a couple months after that, I started selling my services on Fiverr. Um, okay. And we did actually, um, so if you're interested in all of our uh, origin stories, like how we got our first clients, we did do an episode on that. Um, and go ahead and check the show notes once this episode is released on the podcast for a link to that episode. I can't remember exactly um, which one it was. Um, so a few months after I kind of essentially my podcast kind of floundered. Um, and so I was selling my services on Fiverr towards the end of 2015. And then it was at the end of 2017 when I made that jump to full-time. I quit my job in podcast editing full-time. Okay. So that's really, I mean, two, two, two or so years. Yeah. Probably about a little over, almost two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm way slower than Daniel. I think I'm three and a half or four years into this and still working my full time job. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I got really lucky that I had a client that was paying like twenty five dollars for per minute. It was what? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I, I've heard sorry, this story. My, my eyebrows don't translate to audio, but they went up. <laughs> <laughs> um, they were like. Seven to eight minute, almost kind of like news clips, like uh, for like a news reel. Okay. Um, but I had to like find and hire. I didn't have to pay, but I had to like find voice actors to read these, go back and forth with all the revisions. So it was more, of, it was much more of a process, but it was definitely, um, yeah, extremely profitable. And like the amount mm-hmm. of work I got from them was able to like really um, give me enough work and finances to make that transition and so you for for you it was mostly sort of off fiverr and then you started to find clients outside of fiverr yeah so for me it was yeah i started on fiverr and then i just had one client who was a life coach um we started working together on there it's such an like it's such an it's just a whole thing in podcasting yeah (laughs) yeah life coaching and podcast like it's a really strong like marriage mm. for like podcasting is such a great tool for life coaching um but it was just kind of word of mouth. like pretty much i've never done any kind of marketing it's just i had that one client who referred another client who referred another one who referred to and it's just kind of like mm-hmm. most of our clients are word of mouth gotcha and brian what about you uh in terms of the transition mm-hmm. <laughs> i started with my first client for free uh, he had been a guest on my show and was looking to do something. And he put a segment together for my show for a while. Then we spun that off into its own show. And then, um, I don't know, probably a year into that or so, uh, I was actively going out and looking for clients at that point. And somebody who runs a production company contacted me and said, Hey, would you do the editing? I'll, you know, would you white label for me? Mm-hmm. I'll bring in the shows you do the editing. And so I, I still have four, four shows through her that I, am responsible for. And then I've kind of picked up a couple here and there currently have nine shows that I'm working on, uh, varying production schedules. And I'm now in the place where I've started bringing in some editors because I'm, I'm at capacity. And when I say at capacity, probably at like 115%. 
And so mm-hmm. having brought in other people has definitely helped, although there is the onboarding process, right? And that's that's something that I started late last year. So I've got now three people that are helping me one show each. Um, but it, it's a it's a process because I don't want to bring everybody on at once. And so that's been a bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm. And it's also, it's a different way about thinking about the money, right? Because before I could think about it and go, what's this worth to me? Now I have to think about it in terms of what's my management overhead plus what I need to pay them to make this make sense. And so that's been a, a bit of a, a brain thing for me. Um, I, I'm wondering, as, you th- as you're thinking about this, how do you approach pricing, right? So you're making the move. How do you, like, do you have any thoughts around how you put that together? Um, uh, I feel the pricing that I have done for the two clients that I've taken on initially was what exactly are you looking to do? Because I feel, you know, obviously everyone's podcast needs are different. So it was, okay, well, how much of my time do you need really? And, and what extras do you want? If you just want the basic editing, and it's 30 minutes, it's this. If you want more than basic editing and you want, um, you know, you want some creative production, you want, you know, mid-season analytics if you're doing a season. And both of my clients actually do do seasons versus, we, you know, weekly. Um, then it's going to be this. And, you know, so, and I think part of my, part of my skill set from some of the corporate stuff has been a lot of data analytics. I excuse me. I love Excel. I was going to swear, but I really do <laughs> love it. Um, and I really, you know, I think there's a lot of power in, in data and, and, you know, analytics mm-hmm. and creating, you know, different spreadsheets and, and, um, charts and things. I get really excited by pivot tables. Um, <laughs> me too. <laughs> Nerd alert, right? Nerd here. alert, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, for, for me, that's kind of like an extra that I can add on if somebody, you know, wants that and you're able to pull down that data and stuff and which, which I quite enjoy. Cause I, I'm like, I have certainly seen a difference in when I have given that to a client than versus, than versus when I haven't. Um, so I certainly say, okay, what exactly do you need? And then I figure out like, what are, what is my time to it? Because I think for me, my, you know, working 60 hours a week, I don't have a lot of time. So I'm like, okay, how much time will this take me? And then I sort of price it off that. Yeah. One thing I found like a good strategy is trying to, it's going to sound weird, but get the most out of each client. Mm -hmm. So rather than trying to get like 20 clients that are paying you to like, just edit their episodes getting 10 clients that's paying you more to edit, manage, do mm-hmm. like analytic stuff, like, oh, so doing more work because it's easier and a lot less like brain power to manage fewer clients, but at a higher rate. Mm-hmm. I get so much more satisfaction doing all of like more of it, doing the creative process with them. And then, you know, having discussions about who do they want to have on their show? And like one of the reasons that, and like the the clients that I have, I've kind of chosen them to an extent where I'm interested in the subject matter and I have, you know, some, some knowledge on what their, their subject is and who would be a good fit and have they thought about this. And, and I love the, I think that's, that's certainly a direction I would like to explore in terms of my own career is that creative process and, and the more like of the producer side, as well as the editing, I'm happy to do both for now not necessarily if I have to, because I think there's a lot to be learned by doing everything at once. But I definitely want to go in a sort of a creative direction and, and that sort of producer role also. And yes, it will also earn me more money. 
<laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I recently added management services to one of my clients who has two shows. And I will say that it's it's nice to be able to know that I'm serving him more deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it's been a while because both of my previous shows are on hiatus because I'm at capacity, right? And so it's been a while since I've written show notes and created graphics and scheduled all the social media and everything. So like the first week of doing that for him was like, oh yeah, I remember how much work this is. I probably Mm. underpriced myself. (laughs) It's a lot of work. I do all of that. I do the audiograms, you know, do the show notes, all of that stuff. And like, and now one of the things that I'm, I want to learn as part of my thing is, is video and it's like Final Cut Pro or it's like Adobe yeah. Premiere. And I'm like, so that I can create, you know, really engaging video as part of their, their podcast content. And that's, you know, another skill to my bow. And that's more that I could, you know, that I could be, I could charge for. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, Ashley had a comment that you're moving more toward a producer than an editor, which is where uh, her interests lie, uh, tend to lean as well. Awesome. I'm wondering, you know, you, you had the show, mm-hmm. so obviously you've got experience, but did you also have any training or anything that helped you to kind of step into that role? With my client or with my own? Uh, with, with your clients, yeah, to help them through the process. Um, I think probably just from my own experience as a creative, um, being a musician in terms of, you know, like I've, I've done two fully studio produced albums. So I've been in the situation where I have to, kind of direct I have to project manage and I have to I've been you know and obviously and I think I've had to come to that realization of I am the person whose project this is and I know that I am not the drummer I know that I am not the bass player you know I might like like and I have to kind of go I know what I like versus I know everything and you have to somewhat go to these people you know the, the people that you're working with you have to say I trust that you can do this but I will know what I want as an overall project. And so I think in terms of the creative process, you, you know, when I write a song, I know you start off with, Hey, this, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the, the sort of trajectory. Some people put it out there, but it's, it's like you start a song and you're like, Oh, I'm nervous about this. And then it's like, Oh, I think this might be okay. And then you're like, Oh yeah, I'm really into this. And you're like, Oh, I think this might be a bit shit. And then you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm shit. And then you're like, oh, actually, this is okay in the end. And so you sort of go through this whole process of of sort of loving it, self-loathing and coming out on the other side. And it's it's really similar for everyone. And um, if you are an artist, I'm sure you will have heard of Julia Cameron's The Artist Way. And she talks through that that whole thing. So for me, it's, it's mostly sort of a lot of trust and um, reliance on the creative process and knowing what that is for me as an artist and being able to translate that to a podcast and go, you know, I like also it's 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 knowing what you like when you listen to podcasts and and going okay I you know I know what the quality is that I'm looking for and in terms of what I want to create and the the vibe of it I think you need to really stay true to to that um and and just really trusting yourself with it I think I rambled there. Was that, was that, did that answer? No, I, I want to let Daniel talk because I keep jumping right in. So. <laughs> I don't know. No, you're totally fine. I was trying to change subject anyway. Um, so have you thought about what it'll be like to not have structure or to like have to create your own structure? Oh, I'm terrified. <laughs> I am terrified. 
so terrified, in fact, this week that I was like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? And I downloaded Microsoft Office because Outlook is the thing that I've been using to kind of structure my day. So that was the thing that I have, have, you know, that's really the tool that I'm like, I think this is going to be the tool that's going to help me do this. And whether, you know, I use this tool for, you know, I have a little bit of time off and like, what do I want to do for my own self-development and how am I going to schedule my time? That's as far as I've gotten with, this is the tool that I'm going to use. And then what are the things that I want to achieve within this time um, in terms of upskilling and, you know, project management and stuff. But I, I think it's, I'm terrified. Um, I think I have, you know, I've been working in a corporate job for the last 14 years. So I think I'm like, okay, let's get up and let's start work at eight o'clock. Let's have a coffee. And then let's go until like six. So it may be that I'm not entirely sure. We'll, we'll have to see how it goes. I, I will tell you that the, the thing that scares me about the thought of going full-time is that after several years of doing full-time plus editing eight, nine shows on a regular basis, that I'll crash, right? That I'll come in with nobody telling me to get up and get exact, get to work at exactly this time. And like, just totally bomb because I'm, I mean, on some level I'm worn out. Right. And so there, mm-hmm. there's a need for that, but it has to come at pace because I still have to generate revenue too. So I think you hit the nail on the head. Like that does scare me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And being aware and like coming up with a plan, um, Cause I remember it's just like, I think one of the pieces of advice that you hear a lot is when you work from home or like work for yourself is still dress like you're going to the office. And I think that's just a load. Like <laughs> I'm not going to get like a suit and tie and crap and like just sit at my desk. Like I'll wear my pajamas to a... I mean, I take the dogs out regularly. So if I were to do that and walk outside with the dogs and then walk back in, it would look bizarre. Yeah. So I... I, d- I think what I, what I have done, and I think since the pandemic started, that's given me this whole, like, what is working from home like? And one thing, you know, that I made sure that I started to do was, okay, let's have some structure to my day. And that structure was, I get up, you know, I will have to get up at the same time. My wife, dear Lord, gets up at four o'clock. She has to commute. So, uh, you know, the dogs the get morning? up and I know it's horrendous, oh. but it is what it is. And to some yeah. extent, I'm like, it starts my day and I have coffee and I watch the news and then I'm like, okay, so this is starting to form my day and I'll start work. I have to take the dogs out and I will make sure that I have a, a gym break. So I'm like, okay, let's structure these things into my day and then let's work these other things around and then let's finish at a certain time. And I think for me, having those things at certain points allows me to go, okay, this is something that I need to do before this break. This is something that I need to do before this break. But, you know, as I say, beginning of the pandemic, when it started, I was like, I need to get up and shower. Like, that's something that I have to do as, as a human being. But also, you know, like, I didn't want to leave it until later. I'm like, no, this, like, it just starts off your day in a certain way. And, you know, you don't necessarily need to get up and get dressed in a suit. But I think if you have some sort of like structure to your day, and you started mm-hmm. at a certain point, I think that's probably enough. Yeah. Some sort of like morning routine. Mm. I, I mean, I will say that for the first year of working from home when the pandemic hit, cause I'm still working from home. Um, I did, I mean, this is me dressed for work. Right. And I did that five days a week. Now I'm more like two or three days a week. And then the other days are t-shirt days, but I still put my clothes on. Right. Like I, I, I have to do that part or it just doesn't feel 
right mm. now saturdays are a different deal like i get dressed when i get dressed that's saturday but on weekdays that's that's how i do it but there's a real mental thing that happens when you do that and it's 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 part of self-care like it's it's just so important for for my own mental health and long story short but i ended up having to go to mexico for four months as part of this whole visa thing and it threw my routine I had a I had a really comfortable routine and I would get up in the morning and I would, you know, I I like my I like masterclass. I I watch a masterclass for 10-15 minutes. I watch the news for 10-15 minutes. I write in my gratitude journal. I meditate. That was what I was doing. And then I went to Mexico and I was like, "Oh, how am I going to get back into this routine?" Because it and it took it wrong. It wasn't difficult to do. It was just you're out of it and things aren't in the same place. You're thrown around a little bit. Like I didn't have a kettle to make my coffee, stupid, stupid little things that threw me off. And then I had to find my way back into this routine. And that was the structure that quite honestly kept me sane because I had to go there by myself for four months and my, me and my dog. Um, and I didn't know anyone. And I, my Spanish was not great. It's muy bueno ahorita. However, it wasn't great at the time. And that was the thing that allowed me, you know, that, that structure helped me really, really start my day. Yeah, we got a comment from Ashley saying, yep, I'm with Stevie. Formal workwear isn't necessary, but some kind of morning routine or getting dressed in the morning or some, uh, getting dressed that makes you feel alive. It makes a huge difference. Yes, Ashley. I'm with and you. And Andrea had a very good, uh, where is it? There it is. Um, it took me a while to learn when is best for me to work and not default to traditional business hours. Because yeah. one thing I noticed for me is like, I'm pretty good in the morning. Um and then launch. Then I like to take a nap, and then like uh, mid late afternoon is like when I'm really productive. Um, so I know like I can't do. So I, I what I tend to try to do, or at least before I got a dog that completely wrecked our schedule, um, was kind of morning a little bit of obligation. So like I have a an assistant that will like uh, listen to my episodes and then send me revisions of anything i missed or any tweaks i need um it's like that'll do first thing business stuff but then i know like in the afternoon if i try to do something in the morning then it's hard for me to focus on editing so i know my work isn't gonna be as good so it's about like learning um where you're most productive and Mm -hmm. like andrea was saying that you don't have to stick to traditional business hours like that nine to five no, not at all. I think we find what works for you. I think just because I have been in that situation for my entire working life, I think that's probably the easiest way for me to transition. I may transition mm. out of it. I may end up working late nights. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was Pat Flynn I was listening to that said like he ended up working like in the middle of the night because that's whenever worked best for him. Like he was most productive and that gave him like the freedom during the day to spend time with his kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... And, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, so a lot of people have, like, in terms of sleeping habits and, like, the, you, I think you've got a circadian rhythm. A lot of people's are different, and some people mm-hmm. work better at night because of that. Yeah. And a lot of people say, like, you need to get up, like, early in the morning to do your morning routine, and that way, like, to get a good start in your day, it's like, that's not true for everybody. So it's like, don't feel... Don't like, don't feel shame because like you don't follow, like, cause you're not getting up at four in the morning to do like your morning workout before you go to work. Like that's fine. If that's not what works best for you. Mm-hmm. I, I've been 
thinking through like some of this kind of struggling with it because for a while, my editing business has been like five, five thirty in the morning until six thirty or so. And then again, like call it eight thirty at night until 10. Right. So my, my business hours are when everybody else <laughs> is not working. I've been kind of wondering, like, does that continue? Like, or do I transition to something more like what Stevie's talking about with traditional business hours? Cause I do have traditional business hours. It's just not for my business. It's for my job. And that's, that's one of the things I've been wondering is like, do I at some point start putting barriers on my day and say, I now work normal people hours in quotes, normal people hours. <laughs> uh, so I'm not available at odd times, but I am actually available when you are where as right now, mm-hmm. I'm typically available when, other people aren't unless they're in Europe or Australia, then I'm, then I'm good to go. (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious. I have, I have many questions for you, Brian. One of, one of them I think is around, and as a creative, I hear that creating boundaries or limits for yourself can be really helpful and productive. And I'm curious if you've thought about like creating that limit for yourself and what that would be. So that's my first question. So I'll let you answer that before I ask myself. Yeah. So I've thought about that, but in a lot of ways, my, the boundaries have already been created. In, okay. Right. Cause I, so I have not, a day job, mm-hmm. right. And they sort of expect me to do that work. So that, that's a boundary <laughs> that's there. And you're, sorry, they. your day job is, may I ask what that is? Or do you yeah, know? I work as a, a <laughs> I work in analytics. I do network uh, logistics, network modeling for a large pet food company. Uh, okay. So manufacturing, distribution, all that kind of stuff. And so that's a fairly engaging job for the, call it eight to five-ish range. And then I've also got kids and volunteering and stuff, right? And so like I have boundaries where I have to, I don't want to say have to, that makes it sound bad. I have time that I have planned to spend with my family and I have some time planned into my week that's set aside for not working. But beyond that, the boundaries are pretty much set. I mean, eventually I have to sleep. Right. So I can't go past <laughs> like 1030 is usually when I try to end so that I can spend a little bit of time with my wife before I go to bed. And then I'm typically up at five to feed the dog. And then shortly after that, I'll start working until like 630 when it's time for my son to go to school, say, say goodbye to him, so, you know, like do, do that whole thing. So like in a lot of ways right now, my boundaries are there. If those boundaries were gone, that's what has me concerned. Have you and, and I don't know, I, I don't know your situation. Sure. I'm just going to ask this question, but have you asked your employer whether you could cut back a day a week? I haven't yet. Cause I'm not sure that I'm at the place to do that. Um, they're actually, um, my workload at work is more than one person's workload. And I don't say that, like, look what they're doing to me. I mean, it's just this constant conversation about prioritizing and what's going to get done next and what gets pushed off. So I'm not sure that they would be willing to have that conversation, although it's something that I have in the back of my mind for sure. I have been very surprised at what people have been willing to negotiate. Cool. Like when yeah. I, like the, the few times in my life where I have said, this is what I want. I'm like, it's it's a hard no for me. Um, I've been really surprised at what people like people and employers will do if you say this is this is a no go for me and I will walk away from this and I've genuinely meant it because I ca- I couldn't do it anymore. But I've been really surprised with what people would come back with. And I'm not suggesting that you walk into your employer's <laughs> office and be like I quit if you don't give me one day off. But I'm just curious if if um, you've maybe considered something like that. But. I- I have in the past, for sure. Um, not recently, because the workload went, <laughs> right? Uh, with with all of the 
changes in how retail works in the U.S. over the last year. Like we're redoing all of our five-year plans from like two years ago because nothing is the same. Everything's totally different. And so now we have to validate all of the stuff that we thought we were going to do. Well, I'm going to stop there because this isn't about that job. <laughs> do you think, right. But if you, but do you think that if you had the time to go full, like, for instance, if you, if your job, for instance, went away, not, I, you know, don't, don't wish that upon you if that is not your choice, but if it did go away, do you think that you would be able to fill that void with your editing clients? I think it'd be, I think it'd be pretty hairy for a couple of months. I mm-hmm. think after that, I probably could. Um, going out and getting clients is not my strong suit. Uh, you mentioned not wanting to be in people's DMs. That's like, um, sorry, but the cold sales conversations, those creep me out on both sides of the conversation. So I'm sort of moving into some areas where I'm creating spaces for people to connect and I can be there and meet people there. So I'm, I'm trying to do it a little. So that, that tends to be a longer sales cycle, mm-hmm. but it's more comfortable to me. So I would say, I think I could, but probably not the first couple of months. Of course not. I'm sure I'm, yeah. you know, and, and that's the, that's kind of the whole point of this conversation in some, to some extent is like, do you build it up to a hundred percent and then quit? Or do you build it up to 70% and then quit? Or do you like, where, yeah. where is it for most people? I mean, I can't speak for most people. I think where, where I would be comfortable is in that 50 to 75% range mm-hmm. where I go, okay, I'm most of the way there. And if I had an additional 40 hours a week, I think I could fill this gap pretty quickly. Gotcha. Um, where I'm at right now is more like 25 to 30% of the way there. And that has me a lot less comfortable. Okay. I have a question that's somewhat, it's sort of related and it's around finding clients, sort of. Um, how active are you guys on social media? And for As me, an editor. I'm fairly active in like the podcasting groups, that those kinds of places. I'm not as active um, going out and specifically targeting like business owners or things like that. So you engage in like the Facebook groups, but I guess maybe my question is like, do you post as an editor? Are you like sort of trying to create, um, not, I don't mean to say an influencer, but are you trying to sort of create a persona as, as that? Are you trying to sort of create content? to demonstrate what you do? I tend to spend most of my time answering questions, which I like to think of as demonstrating ability, although Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't translate to sales probably as often. I've moved into a little bit more of the content creation side on Instagram and really around the, like addressing some of those, I don't want to say stupid, some of the questionable things that I, that I see going on. like, you know, which microphone should I buy? Well, if you don't know what you're going to talk about, it doesn't matter. So let's, let's figure that. Like, I mean, if you got nothing to say, who cares what you sound like? Not me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking yeah. about starting a podcast. I'm trying to figure out how to make money from it, but I don't have a topic about yet. Well, right. Yeah. And, I, and it's for everybody. It's just whoever wants yeah. to listen. Like, mm. No, it's mm. not. <laughs> yeah. Like there's more important things to worry about before you start thinking about monetization. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I asked that question because I think in the sort of she podcast space, there are a number of people who are, you know, promoting themselves on Instagram and they're creating reels about like, oh, you know, um, what what are some of the the top tip uh, the top tips or the top pitfalls of being in podcasting or like how to get clients or or you know, and there's a lot of like space for um, podcast producers or editors or people who like, you know, want to launch clients or things like that. And they're, and it's, 
for me, it sort of, it, it has this sort of, um, it's got this look about it and it's sort of, you know, shiny and, and that for Instagram. And that's the way that you get seen and potentially get clients that way. And I'm, I'm, I don't necessarily see it from the male perspective. I definitely see it from this sort of female perspective. Cause you know, in that sort of thirties female, it's, it's got a look to it. I don't know how to say yeah. that diplomatically, but it does have a nice shiny look it, to it's, it. It's not me. Let's just call it that. <laughs> but I just wonder if there's a, if there's an equivalent for you guys. So, uh, I will say that I've been working on that kind of thing. And recently I thought about resurrecting a show that I've got on pause right now so that I can actually create a show that has the content that I would want to share anyway, and then also share that content, for example, on Instagram or Twitter or something like that to, to basically try and leverage those channels, not necessarily to get people to subscribe to my show, but to say, here's a show that I do. So you can hear that I actually know what I'm doing. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't suck. Mm -hmm. And also, if you want to work with me, then here's me. So that's what I've been thinking about. Daniel, what about you? Like social is kind of your jam, right? I Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, if you look at my Instagram feed, I think I posted two years ago was my last one. And I think I have four total pictures. One of them might be my dog. Um, so, no, I don't do. So I kind of like what Brian is saying, like I'm in the, the podcast groups answering questions. Um, but as far as like, like creating content is not something I do right now mm -hmm. um, because I've been fortunate that I've been able to grow the business through word of mouth. Um, so I don't really have a need. And so with that being said that I have not put an effort into social media, one thing that makes me hesitant from what I've seen in podcast groups is that the majority of people are, that are on social media and podcasting um, looking for answers are new to podcasting and hobbyists. Um, and they are not, so I, if I were to do social media, I'd have to make sure that I target very well because I don't want to attract all podcasters because most of them wouldn't be, a, they're not my ideal client. Like they wouldn't be mm -hmm. able, they wouldn't be willing to pay what I charge. So I'd have to like be very strategic in targeting who I want Mm-hmm. How about you, Stevie? Are you uh, are you working on that? I had a good go at it last year for a few months. And with everything that I had going on, I was like, I need to drop this. But um, it's interesting because it's, I feel like, you know, certainly as a creative, it's like you need to have a, a social media presence and you need to, you know, post some fun facts about podcasting. Like, I don't know, there were... 2 million podcasts at the beginning of 2019 or whatever, and then mm -hmm. it just blew up or whatever. And, and like interesting facts about podcasts that people might not know. And, you know, just sort of say, oh, hey, you know, I know stuff about podcasting. You should hire me for your next job. Um, but I am starting to see a lot of people, again, sort of in this sort of female sort of non-binary space, posting a lot of reels about like, oh, how to make your podcast successful. And I'm so curious about it because I'm like, how much of this is, good content or good advice um slash you know and I'm and I think from my perspective like I have I'm not I'm not, not to say that I, I'm I'm an expert I'm not an expert I don't I'm not an audio engineer but I do have a, a fairly long background in radio and an audio um but I I do wonder how much of it is style over substance and you know I'm part of me is curious to explore that and I like and to be, I'll be honest, I've bought a couple of these sort of like 
buy my course for 50 bucks. And, and I'm like, okay, fine. I'll buy your course for 25 bucks or 50 bucks and I'll see what you offer. And I'm like, is it, do I think it's worth it? And just to sort of see what people are positioning themselves as. And there are some people that, you know, are like, Carrie is great at actually at social media and also has a lot of courses that she's, and you know, she, she positioned herself really well, but there are some people who I think are, are like very Instagram pretty, um, that I don't think Snuff. necessarily are up to scruff, to scruff. That's not the word. <laughs> Snuff. Snuff. Thank you. I was going to say scrubs. Snuff. Um, when it comes to the, the actual like value of the content that they're uh, providing. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I've seen a couple of people like, I think Paroma, I've seen some of her reels and I'm familiar with her. I don't know about any courses or anything. I don't know that she has any, but definitely the content that I see her putting out on Instagram is solid. Like it, she, she's putting out stuff that I'm like, yeah, I could stand behind that. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we have different styles, but that's fine. You know, she's, she's putting out the truth. I think that's great. Yeah. Oh, she's, she's killing it. Uh, Ashley commented, yeah, I've always found it difficult to find the right balance of posting enough on social media and feeling completely overwhelmed by it as an artist and an audio and editor slash engineer. I haven't posted yet this week on Instagram cause I just got overwhelmed with the production process. So I was going for three times a week. Like I know you're supposed to do multiple times a day. I'm like, forget it. I can, maybe I can do Monday, <laughs> Wednesday, Friday this week. Nothing. <laughs> we'll see about next yeah. week. I don't know. I mean, there are ways to do it, I guess, where you sort of plan out your month and it depends mm. what you do. Some of your stuff can, is, is evergreen and then you can just like take a day, plan it, get later gram or whatever, and then just it's done. Mm -hmm. um, it depends what you, what your podcast is or what it is that you do and if it's, you know, going to be topical or not. Um, if your podcast is news topical, good luck because you have to be on it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, thank you. But like, you know, if you're, if you're a nerd like me and you do Star Trek or whatever, you can just create memes and do it all in a day and then you're done. Um, although I, I admit I'm, I'm slightly behind on doing that, <laughs> but it can be done. It's easy. Do you know so, Kelly Wright? No. Oh, Kelly Wright. Yes. I think you said Kelly. Yes. Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. I see. She's always talking about Star Trek. Oh, <laughs> I yes, I, <laughs> I, I think we have connected on that. Yeah, I love, so, I love the world of Facebook and social media. It's fun. Yeah. What, one of the things I'm wondering about your transition, because uh, we've talked about the, the day job and how that's coming to an end due to some stuff. Besides getting clients, have you done anything to help prepare yourself uh, financially or legally or whatever to start making this transition? Um, that's partly, a, it's, it's slightly tricky because of my situation in okay. terms of, so I, yeah, I have, one of the things that I want to do is create an LLC, mm. um, so that I can one expense stuff. Um, the things that I'm, you know, there, there are a few yeah. things that I'm investing in and I want to, to offset them tax wise. So from a, a sort of tax and legal perspective, that's certainly what I want to do. I'm, I need to consult somebody about whether or not I can do that within this particular period before, because as I say, I'm, I'm currently waiting right. for a green card, so I'm not sure what I'm allowed to do within this period. So yeah, but yes, I have considered that. Um, and again, I think, you know, this is a period where I'm in some sort of limbo and, but I think it's certainly worth getting an LLC because my investment in myself and, um, 
my business, even whether my business is going to be, you know, if I, if I, you know, say for instance, I decide that I want to work for a production company or, you know, do something in, in, you know, a vein where I'm, I'm considered an employee versus self-employed, then I still think having my own company would allow me to, to do some of this sort of tax stuff, which I think would be really beneficial. But I think I would still want to continue doing my own clients on the side, in which case it would still be beneficial. So yes, I have considered it. Um, and there is uh, somebody, I think within the the she podcast space that I've, I've spoken to about doing that. Cool. Yeah. That's, that's something I continue to think about as well. So I was interested in your perspective. Have you, you, and you haven't done it yet? Um, I have not yet formed an LLC. I do have a business license and all that stuff, but I've not yet formed an LLC, which is on my list. Uh, it's probably not quite as expensive in Tennessee as it is in, uh, New York, (laughs) but it's not free. (laughs) Mm. Well, Brian, so Heather asked earlier in the Facebook group, um, so I'm curious what your thoughts are as you kind of look forward about like having uh, financially like an umbrella saved up in order to kind of be stable when you yeah. make the transition. So I have some thoughts and I'm not there yet, but I think <laughs> when I think about trying to make sure that I'm comfortable and I'm not putting my family at undue risk, right, mm-hmm. where my thoughts are would be call it savings in the range of four to six months of base expenses for the business as well as for the family, right? So the mortgage gets paid, the electricity stays on, I still have the internet so I can work. Uh, and then probably somewhere in the range of 50 to 70% of what I would call salary replacement, which is actually ideally more, right? Because you have to plan mm-hmm. for taxes differently and there's some other, like, I, and so my mind is in the range of 50 to 70%, but that would be 50 to 70% based on what I think I would take home from the business after I've covered taxes and covered expenses. Um, and so uh, I'm not quite there yet, but it's a, it's a squishy number, but that's where I'm at or where I want to (laughs) be. So I do want to go back because Andrea, let me see if I can find out, had a comment that I wanted to, cover yeah uh so andrea said my challenge with structure is how much time to allocate to client work versus admin versus business growth it's like one part always seems to get the short shift or shrift anyway Mm -hmm. so i know for me like that's something i continually struggle with like for me it's easy to designate enough time for client work because like I have deadlines. If I want to get paid and want to retain these clients, I have to do client work. But as far as like business growth or upskilling or um, admin tasks, because those are self-imposed deadlines, I struggle with that a little bit more. So do you guys have like any strategies or like how you handle it? My strategy would be to not use my strategy. Uh, Ah, Perfect. Because it should be... What I would like to do is probably 30 to 60 minutes a day of business development. That Mm -hmm. would be developing content or relationship building or CRM management, that kind of thing. Uh, Maybe ideally not more than 60 minutes a day of admin work and then the rest dedicated to production time or to strategic thinking or that kind of stuff. I'm not anywhere near that. I'm more like an hour a week, maybe <laughs> on some, on the things that actually matter for future growth. Yeah. I think like admin work is for me like less than 
probably you would expect. So I spend like the first, I spend a couple hours the first week of each month, just like finishing, wrapping up the previous month, getting all my um, expenses in order, getting catalyzed, reconciling my accounts, like to find like the accounting side of things. Um, but beyond that, I don't really have a whole lot uh, that I dedicate to like actually running the business beyond my client work. It's like upskilling and designating time to actually like improve myself is where I struggle with. And have you guys thought about, I mean, and I don't know if this has worked for you, but, um, and again, this is purely because of my corporate background is if I want to you, like if I want to do that, if I want to use my time for something, I will block it out and I mm-hmm. will just do it within that time. And that make, means that no one can book time with me. Um, and that's the time that I dedicate to doing something. I think that's a good strategy that I need to implement is like just having a routine is like this time, like you're saying, like is designated to whatever test. And just kind of like get into a routine where I honor that each week. And it just becomes a habit. I, I would say that I do that to some extent, probably not as strategically as I should. So f- I, I don't necessarily go next week, Friday, I'm going to do two hours of personal development, mm-hmm. which is what I would do at my corporate job. Um, I tend to be more like I'm caught up on production work, so I can either try and pull stuff ahead or I can invest in, you know, learning or business development or something like that. And so I tend to make the decision a little bit more laissez-faire than I should, but mm-hmm. that's, that's how I'm I mean, mm-hmm. good, bad, and ugly. That's how I do it. <laughs> I think there's room to be flexible because, and the way that I think about it is like, if I work out and so I'll, you know, have my five days and I'll do whatever I do during those five days that I consider to be sort of working out. And I will have at least one day that's like mobility or yoga and I might go down to the gym and be like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to jump on the Peloton or I'm going to lift some weights. And I'm like, I really don't feel like it. Maybe today's my mobility day. And so then, you know, it's, it's so and applying it back to the structuring of when do you do your admin? When do you do your development? Um, it, you may be more productive or you may not want, to, I'm not saying procrastinate, but you may have days where it's better for you to do it certain days than others. Um, and somewhat it's, it's maybe trusting yourself to do that, but it's giving yourself the, the freedom and the flexibility to, to change the, the hard structure that you set for yourself. One of the things I so appreciate about this conversation is it's highlighting some of the lies I like to tell myself. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. White lies. So I want to add just one final thought as, as far as like structure goes is make sure that you give yourself time off. It's really easy when you work from home and like you run your own business to spend all your time on the business and not just take time for yourself. And when when I do, like there's some guilt associated, like there's work I could be doing that I should be doing, blah, 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 blah. Like you need time off. You need time to just kind of be, to enjoy yourself. So don't be, make sure you give yourself that and don't, feel guilty about it. Amen. So as we wrap up this show, Brian, do you want to hit us with our Poddex question of the episode? Yes. I've been waiting this whole episode <laughs> to do this. We, I forgot to give you a choice. So we just got stuck with the one that I drew out of the, the thing, but the, today's podcast Poddex question of the day, slightly modified is who's your favorite hero of podcasting? I'm going to let Daniel answer this first. 
Oh, wow. Well, I like right, Brian, idea. you go first. You're the one that has oh, the no, question. No, the guest, guest no. rules. Ah. <laughs> oh, my, fa- my hero of podcasting. I think so, since I'm, she's not here, my hero of podcasting will be Carrie. Mm. Because not only is she excellent at what she does, but she's an incredible advocate for podcasting and for making sure that people get the attention that they do deserve, not just the same three people over and over. Mm-hmm. I'll second that. I think like I have yet to meet Carrie in person. We have spoken, but <laughs> I see Carrie consistently raise people up and mm-hmm. I love that. I, you know, I know that like the She Podcast group is great for doing that, but Carrie is really good at it. Yeah. Unfortunately, Carrie couldn't join us due to internet outage that she's been dealing with. She says. <laughs> how you get very close to Mike and you say that. She, she says. says. Dun, dun, dun. I don't think there's much proximity effect on this. Sorry. <laughs> I think I do have a dun, dun, dun. I'm not sure if my, uh, if I've got my right mic on, but... So for me, um, I know we talk about him all the time, but Steve Stewart, uh, just in my experience, it's what he's done with the Podcast Editors Club mm-hmm. that um, empowered me to actually charge what I'm worth. And without that, I wouldn't have been able to do this full time because I just I was undercharging by so much. And because of the group, because of what he's done, um, I realized my worth. Mm-hmm. So Steve Stewart. True that. I love Steve. He's great. I love his um his quarterly emails. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I don't know if you guys do this, but I replied to some email and it was like, what are your what are your goals for the year? And I and like he checks in every quarter. Nice. And he has oh, a wow. full conversation with you about it. I love yeah. that. And he's he's just I I yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Um but if I have to choose somebody different to the two that you've chosen, um mine would be Elsie. Elsie Escobar. Nice. Okay, yeah. Love Elsie. She's she's great. Um, so supportive. No question is a stupid question. Like given what she does and how integrated she is and everything, um, what she's what she and Jess have been able to create with She Podcast, I think has been it's it's all inspiring. It's great. Love it. We should have Elsie on the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show, Stevie. Um, it's been absolutely wonderful. Um, and thank you everybody who's here watching live and those that are listening, um, to the podcast. If you want to be a guest on the show, Brian, do you want to let them know what to do? Oh yeah. This is, this is the best. Go to podcasteditorsmastermind.com slash be a guest. That's all one word slash be a guest. Put all your information in there and hit send, and that will magically transport it directly to Daniel's spam folder. And every couple of weeks, he will check that, and he will find your email, and he will pull it out, and he will email you back, and we'll work to get you set up uh, so that we can get you on this show, whether you're an expert with something you want to share with the community, or if you've got questions, there's a business struggle you're working on, something like that, or you just want to hang out and chat about how podcast editing changed your life. I don't know. All that kind of stuff. Podcasteditorsmastermind.com slash be a guest. Oh, could you make it be our guest? And then we could sing the song. We talked about that, could but you? then this Disney, like they are super, <laughs> like they will sue you. <laughs> yes, they will. <laughs> Listen, guys, thank you so much for having me on. It's been, it's been so uh, enlightening to have this conversation with you and oh, I really appreciate it. Thank you. This has been thank fun. Thank you. Uh, I'm Daniel Abendroth. You can find me at rothmedia.audio. I am Brian Inspinger. You can find me at toptieraudio.com and 
Oh, hi, I'm Stevie Mans, <laughs> and you can find me at steviekent.myc. It's not confusing. I just got married and changed my name. <laughs> <laughs> and Carrie Caulfield, Eric, could not join us tonight, but you can find her at yayapodcasting.com. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. Ah, uh, um, so... How much is that? Um... 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 Um...